If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And I want to begin a series uh, entitled The Blessing of Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It is Pentecost Sunday. Now, for some, you like you hear the word Pentecost, and you're like, man, uh, the only thing I know about Pentecost is the ladies wear really long skirts in Pentecost, and they're not allowed to put any paint on the barn. I mean, wear any makeup. That's what I meant. Uh, they're, they're not allowed to wear any makeup, and all of the women in Pentecost are in bondage. Not bondage, just bondage. It's right there. It's right there. And so, you know, we get ideas about what it means to be Pentecostal or, or what, what that really means. And um, uh, let, me, let me just share with you really what it means. It is a celebration of one of the greatest blessings ever bestowed on this planet. And this is what Pentecost has become. It is actually the birthday of the church. It's the birthday of the church. Day one, this is the day the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. Now, some of you, if you're young, you like birthdays because birthdays means gifts. By the way, Pentecost means gifts. You figure that out a little bit later. However, when you get a little bit older, you don't celebrate birthdays the same way, right? We, uh, we, we, we're just like, oh man, I took another lap around the sun. You know, right now you kind of feel like if you're a little bit older, you feel like you're the astronauts right up there in SpaceX right now. You're just taking laps and taking laps and it seems to be going faster and faster and faster and faster. And so birthdays, you're not as excited about them. You know, you don't move as much. Things start to sag. Gray shows up. You know, there's lots of things about birthdays that you don't really, you, you don't really enjoy as much and you don't tend to celebrate as much. Let me just say to you that at this church, we are going to celebrate the gift and the blessing of Pentecost all the way. We are unashamedly spirit-filled, spirit-directed, and we embrace every gift of the Holy Spirit. They are still here. They are in operation. God is on the move. God has himself said it. I am the Lord and I do not change. Therefore, you're not consumed. Listen, don't, don't ever go anywhere and embrace any theology that says that God stopped pouring out power and character on his people. So we're going to celebrate the birthday because the birthday is what changed us. There's a blessing connected to the birth of the church. It's the blessing of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is actually a name of a Jewish feast, and we're going to we're going to go into that a little bit here in a moment. And, and by the way, there's so much here uh, I, I, we're not going to go super, super deep, but I am going to, I'm going to kind of show you a broad view of why each one of us need to appreciate this day, this gift of Pentecost, the blessing of Pentecost in a new way. There is a purpose behind it. Now, uh, Acts 2 actually records 
the birth of the church and the blessing of Pentecost. So we're going to read the first 21 verses. And if you have the Bible app, you can follow along. All the notes will be there. And we're going to, we're going to step into this and we're going to see uh, what, the, what the Lord would, would have for us today. It says this, when the day of, full, of Pentecost had fully come, there were all with one accord, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Everybody say all. all. Everybody say all. All filled. I just wanted to point out some very important words that you could read over very quickly if you, if you were just reading by them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem's devout, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look. Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthenians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts adjoining uh, Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Here's what they were saying. The entire known world is here. If you looked at this on a map, you would see... These people coming from the whole of the surrounding of Mesopotamia, uh, uh, all, of, uh, all of the Mediterranean, sorry, all of the Mediterranean is coming. And that's what they're saying. It says, and we hear them speaking in our own tongues or dialects, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, saying, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men dream dreams. On my men servants and maidservants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and, the, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the birthday passage of the church. It is a supernatural birth of the church. And we're going to look closely at this to see the blessings connected with the birth of the church. Now, just so we're clear, we believe today each and every believer, everybody say all, all believers are eligible to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That God is still doing this today. Whatever you do, do not embrace a theology that says God changed his mind about filling his people with power and character. 
What kind of craziness is that? I mean, you got to be a really good theologian to mess up the Bible. We believe that each believer can still be baptized in the Holy Spirit with all the benefits, gifts, manifesting subsequently as the Spirit wills. So the, the blessing of Pentecost is that the gifts show up of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and we'll cover that in the days ahead. We're not going to go deep into that today. Um, today is really about you knowing that we need a hunger for the blessing of Pentecost. That you and I need to look at a broken world right now and think to ourselves, the answer was poured out 2,000 years ago this day. It is a full immersion in the person of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to, 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 to kind of mark these things down, and we're, we're going to kind of walk through this today, and I'm going to give you three ideas connected to the blessing of Pe Pentecost. And the first uh, blessing that I want to highlight is the promise of Pentecost. It's the promise of Pentecost. Notice the promise. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So what's he saying? The, the promise of Pentecost is I am going to pour out the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, on all flesh. I am going to, the promised, I'm going to give you the promised one, and the promised one is a person, the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit himself. He is a promise given to you as a believer. Now, you can see this more clearly in Acts 1, 4, and 5. These are the words of Jesus himself. He says, he, it says, and being assembled together with them, this is right before his ascension, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the capital P promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. What is he saying? The promise of Pentecost is the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice here, church, look at me. He does not tell a church who has experienced the resurrection to, the, he doesn't tell them to go. His first command is to wait. He doesn't say, hey, by the way, I, I, I just walked through the wall. I just told Thomas to put his hand in my side and feel the nail scars. I just came and got Peter back off of his boat and back into his calling. He doesn't say, hey, now, Thomas, that I've fixed your faith, or now, Peter, that I've restored your calling, now go. He actually says, now wait. Because I need you to experience the blessing of what is needed so that you can walk in the fullness of your faith and the fullness of your calling, which is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
Pentecost, Pente means 50, by the way. Pentecost is actually uh, from the second day of Passover. Uh, it's seven weeks. It's 49 days. On the 50th day, you, you celebrate uh, Pentecost. It's celebrated uh, as a Sabbath unto the Lord. Um, Pentecost itself is a feast celebration of provision. It is called uh, also the feast uh, or the festival of weeks, okay? Because it has seven weeks included in it. And what they would do is they would put in the sickle, okay? And they would, they would have this first harvest of wheat. And what they would do is this first, uh, th this first celebration, this first uh, harvest would actually, they would, they would do something wonderful, which is they would make giant loaves of bread, I know this bothers all my, my, my low-carb people. It does. They're giant loaves of bread. They would take this first fruit harvest, and they, I, I love how they measured it. They said, make the loaf seven hands long and four hands wide. I'm telling you, that's a big loaf of bread. And this is the way they measured it, seven fingers Hi, that is a for real loaf of bread. I don't care who you are. You are coming out of ketosis if you eat that loaf of bread, okay? <laughs> you are coming out. You are, you are breaking the diet. But here's what they said. Not only are you to make one of those, you are to make two. And then you take these giant loaves and wave them before the Lord. Not so that he will recognize, but you will recognize that what God supplies on Pentecost is more than enough. I'm telling you, the promise of the Holy Spirit is more than enough for everything that you need. Let me say it to you another, let me say it to you another way. Jesus died to provide what you need. Let me ask you a question. Is there grace enough, forgiveness enough from God to save the whole world? Come on, there is grace enough, there's forgiveness enough, there's room in God's house for every single person. But do you understand that it is that 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 Jesus not only died for you to be born again and to go to heaven, but to also give you the promise of Pentecost, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the power to overcome. And the scripture connects the two. These are the words of Jesus himself. He died so you could have the promise of Pentecost. In Luke 24, 46 through 49, he says, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He is saying, listen, I died for you to be born again, 
but I also died for you to experience the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus died so you could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I know some of us come from backgrounds where we say, well, I just don't, I, I just don't know if I need it. Well, if Jesus died so you could have it. I mean, what a waste that Jesus died to purchase something for us. And we just cross our arms and say, no, thank you. That doesn't fit my Southern style. That's not going to give me quite the reputation I need in the business community. I'm telling you, this is what happens. Jesus died on the cross so we could be born again and experience the promise of Pentecost, which is the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just say this with me? Because I believe God's awakening this in here. Say, we need you, Holy Spirit. Oh, we need you, God. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. Listen, the second thing I want you to see about the blessing of Pentecost is that there is the promise of Pentecost, but there is also the promotion of Pentecost. I love this. In Acts 2, 17 and 18, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men see visions. Old men dream dreams. My men servants and my maidservants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Listen, the, pro the promotion of Pentecost is that believers are baptized in the Holy Spirit and then are commissioned to do what they could not do previously. Anybody ever gotten a promotion before? Man, I did. I actually got promoted one time trying to get fired. <laughs> I did. I had just gotten saved and filled with God's spirit. I knew that God was calling me to preach the gospel. I didn't know that it was going to take the better part of a decade before I would ever stand in full-time vocational ministry. I just knew that when I got, I got touched by God and revival started happening in my life, I would preach to living things, non-living things, inanimate objects. I'm preaching to everybody. So when my boss got fired, and I heard that his bosses wanted to come and talk to me. I'm like, oh, this is it. I'm going to preach to them. I got a captive audience. So I did. I said, they came to me and said, yes, you know, we let your boss go. And we're, we're actually uh, considering you for the position. What do you think about that? I said, I'm so glad you asked. And I just started telling them about how God had come upon me in power in a restaurant. And I had surrendered my life to Christ. And I was going to preach the gospel. And I was going to see young people come to the Lord. I began to just tell them everything. And I'm like, wow, they're going to fire me. This is going to be so good. I'm serious. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, I don't know where we're going, God, but this is so much fun. But I messed up. I messed up. Because at the end of me preaching to these guys, whose mouths hung open as I hardly drew a breath, at the end of this whole thing, I said, however, whatever you entrust to me, I'll be faithful with. 
I preach the gospel. I basically tell them they need Jesus. I need Jesus. The whole world needs Jesus. And I'm going to be a mouthpiece. And I'm going to, I'm going to see God do amazing things. Uh, you know, that's what my life is called to be. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to preach the gospel. And I'm telling them all this as they're interviewing me. And then I end it with, but I'll be faithful with whatever you entrust to me. They looked at each other. They said, well, that's good enough for us. And I'm like, what just happened? What just happened? I got promoted. And then I could do things I could never do before, which is actually uh, set things in order and do things and set things and change the atmosphere of the whole store and the whole thing. Things I could never have done apart from being promoted. Let me tell you what happened for those of you, uh, those of you who are in business, those of you who are, let, you, you, need to, you need to hear this. Every single one of the, the current employees and the new employees, every single one got born again or rededicated their lives. Many of them still to this day are on the mission field out of this little tiny store, little tiny place. God started moving. It was powerful. It was a promotion. People got born again. They started, uh, I, the, before I knew it, I'm still working in this shoe store. If you were wondering where I went to uh, get trained for ministry, it was at the feet of people selling Nikes. God, that's what, literally what the Lord said. I will teach you. I will teach you ministry at the feet of people. And that's what I did. And, and here, here's, this, here's this, this wonderful story of promotion where I get to do things I could never have done unless I got promoted. Do you know that that is exactly what happens at Pentecost when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you begin to do things you could have never, ever done apart from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You say, how do you know that's for sure? Because here's why. Up until the day before this, listen, the day before this, it's still, we're still living in kind of an Old Testament time. The day before Pentecost, every one of the disciples, they're all Jews. They know. They hear all this promise of the Holy Spirit. They're like, well, what does that mean for me? Because in the Old Testament, if you're not a prophet, one who hears God and proclaims what God is saying... If you're not a priest, one who ministers to the Lord daily because you're of the tribe of Levi, or you're not a king, one who oversees the entire nation, uh, you don't get the Spirit of God. You don't get Him. So all this talk of the promise, the promise, the promise, they're like, wait a minute, wait, you know, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a priest. I'm not a king. What is he talking about? What he was saying, Jesus was saying, there's a promotion coming for you. you and, and by the way, all of these three are in one verse in the Bible. You want to see it? 1 Peter 2.9. Listen to this. You'll see it. New Testament believers get a promotion because of Pentecost. First, it says, but you are a chosen generation. Notice this, a royal. What is a royal? That's a king. The next word, priesthood. That's a priest. So the king gets the spirit and the priest gets the spirit. You say, well, where's the prophet? Let's keep going. And it says that his own special people that you may proclaim. There's the prophet. The praises. 
What's a prophet do? A prophet hears what God is saying and says it. In one verse, God says, every New Testament believer gets a promotion and you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you get to promote it to do things you could never do on your own. This is the goodness of God and why we should celebrate. New Testament believers, they got an upgrade they didn't earn. They didn't earn it. Oh, this is really, really good. I want to, let me, let, let me just say it uh, in, in this way. In Acts 2, 5, when all of these devout Jews were, were there, when the sound came, it says this, when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and, notice these words, were confused. They were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, wait a minute. If I went somewhere and someone was speaking Chinese, I would be confused. But if I was in the presence of someone speaking English, I would not be confused. So the confusion must not be about the language. Why are these devout, educated men confused? They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are, are not all these who speak, notice these words, Galileans. How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, these native dialects? The term Galileans meant this, uneducated and untrained. When they referred to the Galileans, they were not talking about the height of society who had gone through schooling and gotten the degrees. They were saying, uh, we're confused because these uneducated people are speaking like they got a promotion. And it's confusing us. It's confusing us. They don't have the pedigree. They don't come from the stock. They, they, they haven't come through the, the beautiful schools of Jerusalem, nor have they traveled all the way from Rome. These are Galileans. These are common people who, who are more familiar with nets than, than apologetics, okay? These are men who had obviously gotten a promotion, and that's why they were confused. And I want to show you something here. The promotion of Pentecost isn't just for smooth sailing. Why you and I need the promotion that comes with an outpouring of the person of the Holy Spirit is because it's made for adversity. Pentecost positions you for adversity. And if never before, we need another Pentecost because of the adversity that we're facing in this hour. Notice that when Peter and John are going to pray in Acts 3, they see the lame man. They said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto you. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus. They lift him up and he is healed. He begins to leap. And, and now all of the people who are in control 
soul of Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin, the, uh, you know, that are the, the religious elite get really messed up because they have watched a people who didn't earn a promotion get a promotion. Here they are, they've been in this temple system their whole life, and there is no record of anybody being healed, but here comes this common loudmouth guy named Peter. And he's just walking up to attend their service. And he says, I don't have money, but what I do have, I give to you. And suddenly, miracles start to flow. And there was these two that got a promotion from Pentecost. But what, what did that promotion lead, lead to? Jail. <laughs> Jail. They were like, I don't know what to do with these who just got promoted. Jail. I don't know what to do with these people who are happy during the coronavirus. Jail. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> We've been promoted. <laughs> um, and so here's what they do. They bring them out and they're like, all right, we're going to listen. I want to hear what you have to say. Spending the night in prison, they bring them out before everybody and notice these words. It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Whew. Here's this common guy who's, who you've been able to read all his mistakes. God was so good. He, I think God asked Peter, Peter, can I just tell your story? It's going to help a lot of people. Peter's like, yeah. Because after you gave me the promotion, things changed. And they did. They changed. He says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit and says, rulers. He's speaking to leaders now. And he goes on to say in verse 13, now when they, the rulers and the elders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived what they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Let me put it another way. They realized they had been promoted by God himself. And let me tell you, there is no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God, but I want to tell you, there is a way to function in fullness in the kingdom of God, and it is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it is for all. Everybody say all. all. And I know that some of you are thinking, well, you know the scripture, just you know what it says about tongues, you know? That do all speak with tongues. I know Romans 12, do all speak with tongues. This message is not about that, but I will tell you this right up front. There is a grace of tongues and a gift of tongues. And let me help you to understand this. Grace is for everybody. Gifts don't operate in everybody. Grace, the grace of tongues is a prayer language between you and God. Most people in the church will never operate in the gift of tongues that demand uh, an interpretation. That is a message from God to people. When you operate in the grace of tongues, that is a message from you to God. 
Okay, that's the whole lesson right there. We'll go back. Now, if you understand that Pentecost is about the promotion of his people, you know what it ought to lead us to say? We need you, Holy Spirit. Anybody ever felt unqualified? Anybody ever felt like what we're facing is bigger than us? Like, you, have you ever said in the last 48 hours, God, what is it that I could do? to make a difference in this nation. Here's what you could do. You could position yourself before Jesus and say, baptize me again in your Holy Spirit because I need a promotion because what this nation needs, what this world needs isn't more of me. It needs more of you. And Pentecost will promote you beyond your wildest dreams. And then lastly, let me just finish by saying this. The blessing of Pentecost is that there are people of Pentecost. And there are two groups, and I want you to see that, that probably at one time or another you've been in both of these groups. And I call these two groups first the seed and the harvest. First, let's talk about the seed. Acts 2, 3, and 4, it says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, all believers in Jesus Christ become seeds that God sows into the field of the world. Each one has been filled with the Holy Spirit, God intends to use them for his glory. And you become a seed, a seed that is filled now with the eternal working power of the gospel, anointed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And what we need to do as the church is become the people who would dare to be seeds in the hand of the Father as he would scatter people of love and people of power and people of his spirit who've been promoted not because of something they earned but something they received by grace through faith God wants to scatter you as a seed because he has a harvest in mind he has a harvest in mind and the reason I say it's all believers want to be uh, should become seeds, is, and it, it goes back to Pentecost. See, Pentecost was one of three feasts where all men were required to attend. It wasn't an option. It's not an option. Let me just tell you, let me tell you this. It's not an option. Don't, don't, don't try to negotiate with God. If God says, hey, if you show up on Pentecost, I'm going to do amazing things in your life. By the way, Pentecost is a mixture of being required. This is awesome. It says all men need to come to Pentecost. This is the Old Testament. And, and it says, and bring a free will offering. It says, this is for every single man, and you need to bring a free will offering. What does that mean in a New Testament way? Pentecost is for every single person, but it will operate in your life in fullness through free will, through you choosing to be led by the Spirit. 
It's, it's the beauty of Pentecost. There are the people of Pentecost. Now, notice who is included in the seed. I love this. Deuteronomy 16, which tells us all about Pentecost and actually all the feasts. Verse 11 says this. This is what Pentecost, this is the atmosphere. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your gates, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place where the Lord God chooses to make his name known, make his name abide. Notice what it says. He says, it's for you, it's for your sons, it's for your daughters, it's for the rich, it's for the poor, it's for the Levite who is called and the business owner, it is for for everyone. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is for everyone. That's why when you look at Joel 2 and Acts 2, it says, on your sons and daughters, I pour out my spirit. On young and old, I pour out my spirit. Then it mentions men servants and maid servants. What is that saying? On the rich and the poor. He says, no one is left out of this outpouring of God. Well, if those are the seeds, who are the harvest? Keep watching. Acts 2, 38 through 41 says this. It says, Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice he connects it in the first message. For the promise is to you, who's it for? Everybody. To, and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. That day, about 3,000 souls were added. Listen. The other name for Pentecost is this, the Feast of First Fruits. And here's what God is saying. On the first day, 3,000 people came to the Lord. Did you know that if 3,000 people got born again in one year in this church, my good, we'd be Jericho marching around everything. We'd be <laughs> celebrating. We'd be going nuts. But you know what God said? Oh, that's just the beginning. It's just the first. It's just the first. And listen to me, church. We stand on the cusp of the greatest harvest of all time. And what we're beginning to experience right now in the outpouring of God upon his people, it's just the beginning. 